we start? Shall we? I'm waiting for the, <laughs> the big cheese. What's up, Lena? All right. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us today, and I pray that you'll help us see you a little in, in what we study, and um, maybe even be inspired to be more like your servant, Mary. Um, I pray that you'll help me to be calm and to uh, be clear. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at um, Mary's wonderful poem slash psalm slash hymn, if I can find my notes, uh, in Luke, Luke 1. A lot happens in Luke 1, a lot. Do you remember what happens first in the first chapter of Luke? Oh, Theophilus, yes. And then it's not yet Mary. What happens then? That's right. It's about um, Zechariah and Elizabeth and John. Did you peek? No. <laughs> um, okay, so it starts with, with uh, Elizabeth, John the Baptist. Thank you. Welcome. Um, it's a quick overview, right? The uh, angel comes to Zechariah and tells him, um, even though he's old, whatever that meant back then, um, a lot of us would probably consider it old, uh, that he's going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be really special, right? And he doesn't quite get it, and so he says, you know, how's this going to be? I need a sign. And so God gives him a sign. Probably not the one he wanted, but he can't talk, Remember? He, he can't speak for a while. Um, but Elizabeth does get pregnant. And then we switch to Mary, right? And the angel Gabriel. Um, by the way, there are only two angels who are actually named in the Bible. Who's the other one? Michael, yeah. Lots of times people say Raphael, but it's not really named. Um, okay. And then Gabriel comes to Mary, and she handles it a little better, even though it's... Um, very strange that she would be getting pregnant, right? That she's going to have this child. What do, what do we um, actually know about Mary? Think about that for a second. So first, um, if you look at all the pictures, not actually photos, but paintings and statues and stuff, um, we know she likes to wear blue and red, <laughs> blue and red or pink, right? Um, she's also really always young, perpetually young, right? Uh, she always seems like she's just gotten out of college. She's in her early 20s. Um, even when um, she's holding Jesus' dead body, the Pieta, she looks like she's 22 or something, right? Though she would actually be about 50, almost 50. So um, the critics are split on, on why that is, why she's so young. But most of the reputable ones think it's the Mediterranean diet that actually... <laughs> The Roman Catholic view of Mary, does anybody know what the Catholic view of Mary is? She was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she was a Mary child. That's right. Yeah, the assumption, right? So the assumption actually didn't come into, wasn't finalized until 1950. So this is not an ancient idea. Um, 
that she was free from original sin, the Immaculate Conception was finalized in 1854. So, um, let's see, also perpetually virgin, didn't have any other children, um, and she intercedes and mediates for us with God. All right, so now you had a little minute to think about this. What do we actually, what can we say from the Bible that we actually know about Mary? That's right. Yeah. Um, anything else? Yeah. No, absolutely. She's just a small town girl <laughs> living in a lonely. No, in a a small town, Nazareth, which is not mentioned in the Old Testament, and. Um, not mentioned for quite a while until after after the New Testament. So it was really small. Some people say as many as 2,000 people, but others say like 450. There's just a few hundred people, so really small. Yeah, Kathy. She is what? She needs a savior. Yes, so um, she's humble, right? She was aware of her, her lack her need. Um, how old? This is, this is always speculation, but what do people say? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's this burst of faithfulness, which is also accompanied, we'll get to that, uh, by a burst of prophetic utterances. In, in Luke. Um, okay, so nobody knows how old she is, but what do, what do the commentators say about when people got betrothed back then? Yeah, kind of creepy, but um, they didn't live as long, so they had to get going early. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, some people say, well, maybe as old as 16, but she, she was pretty young, right? So, uh, when, when you were betrothed back then, right, it was a legal thing. You, were, you weren't married yet, but it was, it was very hard to break, so that was a big deal. Um, I would say she also was quite brave, right? If you think about it, uh, she immediately said, I'm behold the hands, handmaiden or the slave of the Lord. Whereas technically she could have gotten stoned for, for getting pregnant outside of marriage, right? She certainly would have been shunned and um, gotten in, you know, people would be really angry at her. So she did leave, leave town, which actually I would say is also kind of brave because um, we don't know exactly where Elizabeth and Zechariah lived, but they were down in Judah. So she had to go through Samaria. It was like 80, 80 to 100 miles, three to four days journey. So we don't know, she probably had people accompanying her, maybe went with a caravan or something, but still, she took this long journey um, to go be with her relative and help her out in the last three months of her pregnancy, right? And then it seemed like she stayed till Elizabeth gave birth, because when she got there it was six months and she stayed three months 
And then she didn't really like babies, so she took off. Right? <laughs> Just kidding. So very thoughtful, right, that she would go and, or else she wanted to get out of town, <laughs> um, go and help out Elizabeth. All right, so let's, let's look at um, Mary's Magnificat. You will see in the handout that, um, yeah, Matt did, and Clara, did you guys get one? You didn't get one, okay. I stuck on Hannah's prayer and also Deborah's song. I figured we'd cover all the bodacious women at once. Okay, so um, let's read Mary's Magnificat. By the way, Magnificat, it comes from the Latin Magnificat anima mea dominum, which means? Yeah, my soul magnifies the Lord. Exactly right. Okay. So, but that's, that's why it's Magnificat. And Mary, <clears throat> and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Okay, um, each of the three songs, actually, it ends up with a little like, um, and this is what happened afterwards, right? Which is, that's kind of nice. Uh, all right, before we go and look uh, in more depth at this, the song, look at Hannah's prayer and Kind of see what, um, if you can, what's similar and what's different about them, right? Then Hannah prayed and said, oh wait, so context quickly, what's happening here? Why is Hannah singing this song? Yeah, she didn't have any children and her, her husband had two wives, always a bad idea. And he's Penina, right, or Penina, she had a bunch of kids and poor Hannah had none. So remember she's praying and um, Eli hears her, sees her moving her lips and thinks she's drunk and gives her a hard time. But then she says, no, I'm praying. And so he kind of blesses her. And, and she promises that she will give the child to the Lord. And that's, that's Samuel, right? So she gives birth to Samuel and she takes him to the, to the um, it's not really the temple, but wherever the Eli is in Shiloh and drops him off. <laughs> and and he grows up and uh, grows up there. Okay, but she she did end up having a lot of children after that, so she was she was very blessed. But she prays in thankfulness. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted up high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, 
But those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah, that's her husband, went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Okay, um, similarities? Lots of gratitude, yeah. They're... Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah. Can you point to a specific verse? I believe you, but I was just looking for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then that that one is. Um, it's kind of echoed, right? In the, he raises the poor, seats them with princes. Yeah. Is it, would you say the tone is the same? Tone is like the author's attitude going towards. Yeah. In what way? It's a little more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say too. Um, there's the same kind of feeling of rejoicing and exulting, but then it's boasting over my enemies, right? Okay, um, same sort of uh, joying in God. There's no one holy. Um, there's the other stuff. What else? Both do. Yeah, yeah. I, I found it really interesting that she, Mary, doesn't really talk about her own problems. Like, she's a, a young girl, pregnant, and, you know, with God's child. There's nothing about, you know, he's going to help. Um, it's more a big picture. He's going to help Israel. He's saving. And she's happy about this. It's great. It's a very different setup, right? Yeah, and that does create a tone. 
difference in tone. So Hannah is, it was more this battle. Remember, she felt humiliated by her, her rival, and now God has vindicated her. I like that. Yeah. Um, metaphorically, Hannah refers a lot to uh, battle, which it wasn't literally a battle, right? But the arrows, uh, the bows of the warriors are broken. So it is much more David-like, too, as, as Rob said. Right? Um, one of the th cool things about both of them is that they uh, are very steeped in scripture. Now, Mary, being so, so young, you'd wonder, how did she, she know all these scriptures that she alludes to. And we're not going to go through, because you can look at all the little, the little um, letters, if you can see them still, <laughs> and check out all the allusions. But I will tell you that she alludes to passages in Genesis, Deuteronomy, 1st and 2nd Samuel, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. So, it's, it's really like this um, cool little book that Matthew gave me, Praying the Bible. That's the name, right? Praying the Bible, yeah. Like she's so steeped in the scriptures that she's, it's pouring out of her. Yeah. But do you think she didn't even know them? Yeah, okay. I, I think it's this combination of she was, she really knew the scriptures and the Holy Spirit then poured through her, yeah. Alicia? Yes. Oh, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, how, cast yourself back 2,000 years plus and think about your, your Mary, your, let's say she's 14 or 15. Um, you wouldn't have a Bible, right? There are the, is the Torah just the first five or is it the whole? So what do you call the whole in the Old Testament? The Tanakh. They w she would not have the Tanakh at home. Because uh, you know, you've seen the pictures, right? It's like this scroll and they carry it around and it's a big deal. It's expensive. It's all handwritten, right? So um, how would she know all these scriptures? Yeah, she listened in the synagogue. Um, go ahead, Rob. True. Yeah, we don't know. She could. Um, so here's what uh, our Kent Hughes said. She, like every devout young Israelite, quote, knew by heart the principal songs of Hannah and Deborah and David and sang them customarily on feast days. And um, of course, she listened in synagogue. And also, you know, truth is they had much better, better memories than we do back then. Um, I've read that Jesus probably had the whole Tanakh memorized by the time he, he began his ministry. Yeah, 
Like when, when anybody, Paul, Jesus, when, they, when they're quoting, they're not flipping open their Bible. They're certainly not looking on their phone. They just had it memorized, right? It's crazy. All right. Um, and then, of course, she was obviously inspired, as we said, just as Elizabeth was. Elizabeth doesn't break into song, but she is obviously inspired because think about it. Elizabeth would not have known that Mary was pregnant, right? How would she know? There was no texting, there were no emails. I don't think there was Pony Express or Donkey Express. Like, and yeah, she wasn't sure. So she was inspired to know that Mary's pregnant with the Messiah, right? And she breaks out into this, uh, into this prophecy. Who else in, in the early story here in Luke is inspired to prophetically utter Father, absolutely, he breaks into into a poem. Um, there are four poems, four nativity songs in in the beginning of Luke. So we've got Mary and Zechariah, Simeon. Simeon is the the nunc dimittis, which means now you let your now you let, and then it's your servant depart in peace. Like now I can die because I saw the Messiah, right? And then the, the other one, it's, it's really short. It's the um, angels singing to the shepherds, right? Very, very short, but maybe it was like um, in some modern churches where they just kept repeating it over and over. Like, one more time. Okay, that's true. It might have been a whole song. You're right. Um, so the, I think it's very cool that the birth of Jesus is surrounded by music and, and songs, by psalms. Um, Okay, now anybody in the Bible can actually be a prophet. It happens when the spirit comes upon them. Um, a, a called to mind how Saul, Saul the king, before he became king, when he was first told he was gonna become king. Can somebody read 1 Samuel 10, five through 10? Benny, are you going to read it? So Saul didn't end up so well, but he did prophesy and had this cool group of prophets with instruments dancing around. That's, that's pretty cool. All right. <coughs> um, one more uh, passage about prophecy. 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. Can someone read that, please? 
Second Peter 1, 20 to 21. Yeah, Samuel. just to back it up, right? I didn't make it up. Um, Graham uh, Scroggy, autocorrect, it turns out to scribble, but it's, Graham Scroggy says that the four, the four songs, Mary's song, Zachariah's song, the angel's song, and Simeon's song or poems uh, are the last of the Hebrew Psalms and the first of the Christian hymns, which is kind of a cool way of looking at it, right? All right, so um, I know I keep stalling, but we have to use the other handout, and then we'll, we'll talk specifically about the poem. So I'm gonna read through Deborah's song. I, I cut some of it out, because it's pretty long. <coughs> it's Deborah and Barak, and they were, you know, the timbrel and the, all that stuff going. But this is after a big, big victory, right? Deborah, the one female prophet, the prophetess, um, and they were being uh, oppressed by the Canaanites because once again, they had fallen away and she's um, meeting out justice to people, but then um, she goes to Barak and says, you gotta raise an army and we're gonna fight these guys and the Lord's gonna give you the victory, right? And he says, well, I'll go as long as you go with me, right? And she says, sure, I'll go with you, but um, just so you know, the, the one who's gonna get the glory is a woman it's not Deborah, it's who's, who gets the glory of defeating Sisera? Jael, yeah, with the old tent peg. There's some great paintings of that, you got all that. <laughs> then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, so this is after the great victory. And um, they had been routed, the, the Canaanites had been routed, and Sisera takes, the, the general takes refuge in um, the tent of Heber the Kenite, and that's where Jael or Jael is, and where she gives him some warm milk to put him to sleep, and then she nails him, literally. Okay. This has, by the way, this has the greatest verse in the whole Bible here. You'll, I think you'll see which one it is. That the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned the tra and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. The kings came, they fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of silver. From heaven, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, March on, my soul, with might. Then loud beat the horse's hoofs with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. 
curse Meroz, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women, most blessed. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg, and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera, she crushed his head, she shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. Between her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Out of the window she peered, the mother of Sisera wailing through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princesses answer, indeed she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil, a womb or two for every man, spoil of dyed materials for Sisera, spoil of dyed materials embroidered, two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil? So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And the land had rest for 40 years. Okay, so very different from Mary's, but a little more like Hannah's, right? A lot more militant, um, but of course giving praise to God and, and thanks to God for his remarkable uh, deliverance through a woman in, in this case as well. Anything else about it? Yeah, Rob. Which ones especially would you? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. I love it. You can, you can really hear the music. You can see that it was set to music, right? And it goes on, and the whole congregation sings, and like they made this big musical. Right? It, was, it was beautiful. OK, so let's go back to Mary's poem and go through, walk through it. <clears throat> so what does she say about God in, in uh, the beginning and anywhere, really? Yeah, which is, I mean, that makes sense, right? She's full of joy in thinking about his salvation and that he's going to save her through this child. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so it's not just like, oh, he's going to be the Messiah for the whole country whole of Israel that comes later, but that he's her personal savior, which is, is really cool. How do you magnify God? I mean, what does it mean to magnify? Can you make God larger? Okay. But but literally, it means to make greater, to make bigger, right? <laughs> Impossible. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
That's right. No, it's a great. That's a great analogy. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, Frank. So what does exalt mean? <laughs> words, words are tricky. They're, almost all words are metaphorical in their root, right? So um, the best way to understand them is often by analogy or by, by metaphorical. Uh, and so I think it's exactly what, what Chris said, that God has become bigger for her, to her. She, she sees God more truly. Um, none of us sees God as big as he is. If you, have you been looking at the pictures from the new telescope? What's it called? The, uh, the what, what is it? James Webb, right? I always keep wanting to say Weber, but that's like a barbecue, right? Um, my soul magnifies the barbecue. But yeah, so it's just the universe is unbelievable. There's no way that we can conceive of the greatness of God, right? But we can enlarge our understanding of him, right? And when you uh, take a picture through the telescope or th uh, through the James Webb telescope, you enlarge the universe for other people too, right? You enable them to see. So she's doing that for all of us. She's magnifying God for us as well, I think. Um, all right. What about, so that's verse 46. How are we doing? We're doing okay. Um, verse 47. Notice that right away she jumps to the idea that God will bring salvation through this baby and that gives her joy. We talked about that. Um, 48. What do you see in 48? And she actually says humble estate twice, right? Also in, in 52. So very conscious of I'm, who am I, right? I'm just, uh, as I said, just a small, small town girl. And, and even that, that God would come to earth through a woman. Women were not treated with you know, equality back then. I'm sorry to say. Um, Jesus treated women as, as equal, and the Bible certainly does. Um, Paul says, you know, there's no male or female, but, yeah, Tim. <coughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's another miraculous birth, but even more miraculous. And then it does relate back to Eve, which is a nice, a nice um, 
catch there. Okay. What about, um, for, oh, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. How do you take that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't think she's saying, hey, this is great. I'm, I'm going to be famous. Not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Say more about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. Something into which angels long to, to see, right? Yeah. So, but it again, it's prophetic that she's she knows everyone is going to be like, imagine you're the mother of the Son of God. That's. Yeah. Oh, I think it's very striking that it's not about her own problems, her own issues. I mean, wouldn't it be, if you got pregnant when you were 13, 14, wouldn't that be a little scary too? Like even just the, the giving birth, like, right, Jay, come on. <laughs> no, it would be, it would be. Okay, moving on. Um, you know, I was thinking it, but I didn't go there because I could see Matthew glaring at me. <laughs> yes, Mark. It's true, and think about, I mean, even to say that about the Israelites, that, okay, yeah, for generations through all, but it's the whole world, right? All around the whole world, everybody knows Mary. How many people in the Bible, Mary and Jesus, like, that, that people know, but a lot of people are pretty Bible ignorant these days, and they still know about Mary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And you used to always see the Mary in a bathtub on the, the lawns, but not anymore, so. All right. Um, St. Augustine, or Augustine said, for those who would learn God's ways, humility is the first thing. Humility is the second, and humility is the third. <clears throat> um, Psalm 34, 18 says, this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
And of course, when he grew up, Jesus blessed those who are poor in spirit and those who are meek, right? So, right. The, um, as far as the tone, too, one thing that strikes me is the, the sense of wonderment that she's um, expressing when she says, behold, from now on, all generations call me blessed. Like, she's kind of, this is amazing, right? Um, and how highly favored she is. Remember, the angel came to her and said, blessed are you, Mary, highly favored of God. Um, being the mother of the Messiah means she was chosen to be part of something that will change all of history. So hers is a special blessing, obviously, right? But we are blessed, too, to be part of bringing about the kingdom of God on earth. So I'm going to get to this a, a little more later, but we should really be feeling some of that same awe, that same um, wonderment that we were chosen to be part of this, right? The greatest blessing of all is that we are Jesus' brothers and sisters. And as John says in 1 John 3, 2, what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Which is just incredible, right? <clears throat> okay, um, verses 49 to 50 what attributes of God do we see in these verses? Holiness, definitely, yeah? Mercy, who said that? Thank you, Benny. Yes, and one more, and might, right? Um, Jesus was prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6, right, the famous one. Um, uh, of course, I'm blanking out here, but... Um, when he's the, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, right? So mighty God is El Gibor, which literally means mighty hero God. I'm not saying that. That's what some commentator said. So if I'm wrong, sorry. Uh, his holiness, right? His name represents, it says, uh, what does it say here? Holy is his name. Very simple, but um, we kind of, we talked about this when we did the Lord's Prayer, right? That the name is bigger than just the name. God's name represents all that he is, right? When um, he's revealing himself to Moses, he, he talks about his name and its meaning. Um, he's so holy, too, that his very name is holy. Like, remember, the ancient Jews, the Jews would not say his name, right? They wouldn't write it out. Um, and then, of course, we had mercy, right? What does mercy mean? Wait, isn't that grace? That's grace. Not getting what the bad that you deserve, the punishment you deserve, right? Not, not being uh, punished for what you deserve. So notice Mary's focus here is on others, not her, just herself. And she recognizes the need to fear God. He's merciful, but he's also terrifyingly holy and powerful. Um, and when, um, when God reveals his name to Moses, that comes through too, right? He's merciful, but he also like punishes sin. Uh, notice that here in, in um, 4950, she has the big picture. She refers to generations again. This is the second time she says from generation to generation, right? Okay. Um, also, if you think back to what, when Gabriel goes to uh, Mary and um, says, I'm the angel Gabriel, do you remember what he says to her? Uh, verses 35 to 36, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power, there's, there's might, right? The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, there's a second, <coughs> the Son of God. <coughs> and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. The word mercy isn't used, but God was obviously showing mercy to Elizabeth, just as he did to Hannah. So I think all three attributes that she highlights are, were conveyed to her through the angel when Gabriel appeared to her. Okay. Um, this, by the way, again, it refers kind of to the book. If you haven't read it, I do recommend it, um, Praying the Bible, that it's, it's a great way to um, steep yourself in the Bible and, and then pray, uh, especially the Psalms, but, but any of the, the great songs in the Bible. Um, 51 through 55, we're jumping, jumping ahead here now. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Okay, so bigger picture again, right? And um, it's all past tense. You notice that? But she's talking about what God's going to do as well, right? This is what he's going to do through the Messiah. Because, yeah, it happened sometimes in Israel's history that he brought down the, the, the evil rulers and exalted them. But they, for the last few hundred years, things have not been, been so good for Israel, right? They've been conquered by the Greeks and the Romans, and they've just been beaten up. And so... She's looking to the distant past, you know, when, when God uh, did this, but also looking ahead, right? Past, present, and future. I think she's covering it all, as the prophets often did, right? In the Old Testament, sometimes they would talk in the past tense about things that God was going to do, Rob. No, I think you're absolutely right. So again, it's the inspiration, right? Speaking things that she had no idea. David did that a lot, right? Where he, there's so many places in the Old Testament that they're talking about the Messiah, but they didn't really know what they were talking about. Okay, she's, she's looking ahead in faith, linking them all up. Um, uh, R. Kent Hughes also says that Mary mentions three great reversals. Her son will bring about moral, social and material slash spiritual. So what's the moral reversal? Well, these people who are proud and think that they're so smart with their thoughts, he's gonna bring them down, right? They think um, the Pharisees, right? We're so holy, we're so good. He's gonna, gonna put them in their place. Um, God destroys all attempts to make ourselves look great. He does it with nations, with individuals, and with churches with anyone who doesn't give all the glory to God. Um, can you think of any people in the Old Testament who got humbled, who were very proud? Saul, yeah? There's a couple biggies, come on. If you've seen VeggieTales, you know one of them. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, right? And Jacob, poor Jacob. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and Pharaoh. Pharaoh's another big example, right? Okay. Sorry, we've got to keep moving because it's getting late. Um, note that in Matthew 23, 12, Jesus says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Ultimately, the only elevation to high position that really matters is when God exalts us, when God raises us. As Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Okay, so moral and social reversal. Then also material and spiritual. Well, Mary seems to be quoting from Psalm 107.9, which says, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Okay. To get real practical, he gives good food to hungry people like Lazarus in the, the parable, right? Um, and he doesn't bless the rich or those who don't realize they are completely dependent on God for all they have. So you don't have to be like super rich to think that you've got it all together and you don't really need God's help, right? Um, Hunger here can be more than just physical, right? It can be, uh, and good things can go beyond food. So he fills those who hunger and thirst for righteousness with good things, with himself, with, with righteousness, right? With joy. <clears throat> um, and then one more verse uh, in John six thirty-five, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never thirst. All right, in the last two verses then, Mary focuses on the blessing to Israel that this child will be. And you notice that um, she says, uh, he has helped his servant Israel. Just as she says, uh, be it unto me, I'm, I'm the servant of God, right? I'm the maid servant of God. She connects herself to Israel here because all of Israel is God's servant and she individually as God's servant. So the same thing for us, right? Um, this might be about Mary, it might be about Israel, but it's also individually for all of us. Um, let's see, and, and then she ends on mercy, because mercy's, well, that's the best thing, right? Probably unbeknownst to her, her prophecy includes all of us. Remember that Jesus said to some of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And so he did, right? Figuratively, he took our stony hearts and he turned us into children of Abraham. All right, so Mary represents us all. As, um, there's a cool quotation from Martin Luther. Uh, he said that the Magnificat is about, quote, the great works and deeds of God for the strengthening of our faith, for the comforting of all those of low degree, and for the terrifying of the, all the mighty ones of earth. So strengthening our faith, comforting those of low degree, and terrifying the mighty ones. We are to let the hymn serve this threefold purpose, for she sang it not for herself alone, but for us all to sing it after her. So Mary modeled for us, I think, the right way to respond to God. And I'm stealing this again from Kent Hughes. Uh, first, she believed that a virgin birth was possible for God. Second, she trusted God to do it. Third, she submitted her life and her future to God. 
And then finally, she acted by rushing off to visit her cousin Elizabeth and to help her. So she believed, she trusted, she submitted to God's will, and she acted on it. Okay. If you remember nothing else, remember those four things. Um, she was a living beatitude, and her soul was a blessed model for all who desire to cultivate the life of Christ in their hearts. I, I have a quick poem for you here, and a couple last words, and then we're going to sing. Um, the poet Lucy Shaw, she's a pretty famous uh, modern Christian poet, she wrote, framed in light, Mary sings through the doorway. Elizabeth's six-month joy jumps, a palpable greeting, a hidden first encounter between son and son. And my heart turns over when I meet Jesus in you. Okay. Um, so how is Jesus in us? Well, remember that in John 14, 20, Jesus talking to his disciples, before his crucifixion um, refers to his coming resurrection. And he says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We're also told that God, Jesus, is the bridegroom, and we are the bride of Christ. So, and then finally, remember the last verse of a little town of Bethlehem? It says, um, part of the verse says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. So like Mary, we are to let Christ be born in us. Not literally, obviously. but, but um, And then we are to believe that all that God tells us in his word, trust him with our lives, submit to his will and plan, and act to bring Christ to others. Okay, Cammy. My friend Cammy is going to help us out here. We're going to sing um, Mary's song. So I, I wrote it as a, oh, can you guys hand this in for me, please? As a hymn. I wanted it to sound as Jewish as possible, but I couldn't make the words fit Havna Nagila, so. So we're going to sing and instead to let all mortal flesh keep silence. Okay. Which sounds kind of Jewish to me. I don't know. <laughs> David, you're going to turn my microphone off for this, right? <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs>
Amen.